0: Good morning, morning. again, we're in fruit of the spirit land right now, we uh, uh, have done a couple of sermons on this already and we're going to do some more, we are not going to talk about every one of the fruits of the spirit, but today we are going to focus in on one in particular, and uh, we're going to start by by reading this verse in Galatians, where all of this comes from, of course. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to pray. Uh, Jen, can, you, can would you mind? Sorry, I just caught you in the middle of a thing. Yeah, you can stay down there, but I feel like we need a prayer in this room right now. Yeah, (laughs) just go for it. All right, Father, thank you for this time that we can gather together. Thank you for Jason, for the gift that you placed on his life, for the words that he has, that they're your words. I pray that you would um, prepare our hearts to receive what he has for us, for what you have for us through him. Thank you for your love for us. I pray that you would be with us and never leave us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. We're going to talk about joy this morning. Joy um, has become a, a pretty major theme in my life. Um, I've just recently written a book about it, and um, it has um, been sort of an unexpected uh, theme that has come up. And, and, and um, So I want to talk, and I, I, I'm going to talk a lot about my story this morning. Um, and uh, forgive me for those of you who have heard a lot of this before, um, I just felt it was right to to talk a little bit um, about these things, and this is a theme really not just my not just the you know, theme that i 've been on, but we have kind of been on Doug just a couple of months ago did a, a sermon on experiencing joy and and pain at the, at the same time joy in the midst of pain and uh, so it's I feel like it 's a theme that we keep getting drawn back into, and so we wanted to take some some time this morning and talk about this, and I feel like this is A really important season right now for the church, in general. Uh, We've seen a lot of stuff lately uh, that has been disconcerting, as far as uh, depression, as far as depression statistics, as far as uh, uh, suicide in our own community, Um, and it's 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 risen much more on the 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 national awareness. As we had, you know, Kate Spade, uh, the designer. Um, and then anthony Bourdain, these these high profile people that you can 't believe would actually be going through a terrible terrible time because they have what looked like you know very amazing lives, and then suddenly they 're gone, and people didn 't know that they were hurting and and it 's a tragic thing and uh, i i I feel like this morning um, this is just it 's been weighing on me it 's been weighing on us and, and uh, i I want to speak to that because I feel like the fruit of the spirit the holy spirit uh, uh, has something better for us, and I know there are people even in, uh, uh, in our midst, even this morning, and, and dear ones who, who battle these things and, and wrestle with depression and aren't sure what, and wrestle with a lot of shame. She's so like, I'm a Christian, and why should I be dealing with this? And then other people are like, well, just choose not to, and they're like, it's a little harder than that. And uh, so I want to talk about this this morning because I do feel like the Holy Spirit does give answers for us, and uh, the answer generally comes in community. It's not something that we should ever be battling alone. So I want to tell some of my story this morning, and uh, hopefully there'll be something that uh, you can take away from, from this as well. Um, the, uh, uh, the definition is, no, Webster says, in 1828 Dictionary, joy is the excitement of pleasurable feelings, which is caused by success, good fortune... The gratification of desire or some good possessed or by a rational prospect of possessing what we love or desire. So you're either in a really good situation or you think you might be able to and because of that you have joy. That's generally the way that people would define or think about this. Um, the, the opposite would be sorrow uh, which is uh, you know, the uneasiness or pain of mind which is produced by the loss of any good thing or of frustrated hopes of good or expected loss of happiness. So sometimes it's not even that something's wrong, it's that we're afraid something's going to be wrong. Sorrow is a, um, a real thief. Um, our story, I was realizing that it's been nine years since my family moved here, which is crazy, um, that it's that long. It's like this month, nine years this month. It does not seem that long. But I was thinking about, our life before we ever moved west, we were in California for a while before we came here. But uh, it was 2007 that we left Texas. Texas is my homeland. Um, I was uh, raised there, and then I left for a couple years and went back and was on staff with the mission there for several years, for five years, um, teaching in this Bible school, and. Um, I, I felt like when we were there, I felt like there were some really cool, amazing things. Like, when I started teaching the Bible, and I, there was something that sort of welled up in me, and I, it was, it it was good, and and I, I just felt like this is good, this is what I'm made for. Um, this, I, am I am where he's called me to be, and life is going to be super cool. And I had all these visions of the way that was going to be. And, uh, so soon after, um, we, we ended up moving to to California and got removed a little bit from some of that, and that was a little hard because we weren't teaching all the time, and I was a teacher, and that you know wasn't available. Um, and then uh, uh, we had these three things that happened uh, within a matter of months. One of them was um, uh, uh, my son Samuel was born with a hole in his heart, required open heart surgery. Um, another one of them was my son Jack and his uh, uh, autism diagnosis, and another one was our friend uh, Karenita who... Uh, um, had cancer again, the third time, breast cancer. So all of these three things hit um, sort of in one season, and it kind of broke me in a way that I had never before been broken. I've said this many times. I grew up really privileged, like in, not in like the monetary sense or anything like that, but in the fact that I had people all around me who really loved me, cared for me. I had parents. That were great uh, I never wondered are my parents proud of me do my parents love? never I never dealt with that and that's like an incredible privilege because most people cannot say that and uh, I had people all around like even my teachers were like cheerleaders right I mean it was it was crazy and so I was insulated I was also very lucky that I didn't have people that were really close to me uh, die as I was growing up it was very rare so I just didn't I wasn't really touched much by sadness i I had you know, some sickness issues, but that was it and and so when when these three things hit at once it, it it was a jolt it was I did not expect it, and I didn't know how to deal with it. so those three things happened in California, and in the middle of that, we had been talking a lot with Jeff Starr. I had worked with Jeff in Texas for years, and Jeff had a long standing um, <laughs> at, uh, scheme to get us up here um, and he took advantage of this situation and said, hey, bro, why don't you come up? And we had been up here a few times before. And he said, just why don't you guys just come up and just let us surround you. Let us, you know, do what we do. And little did I realize, oh, this is kind of what Christ Center does. <laughs> they, they take people who are in really bad, hurting, you know, difficult situations. They just love them like crazy. And, and, uh, and so that's what happened. We came here, um, and we didn't expect to stay um, but we did, and in that beginning of that season, um, our family had had gone to, uh, um, to some place to to get some prayer for healing and then prayer for ourselves as well, and somebody had spoken this over me, they said, "Jason, you need to repent of sorrow." And I didn't understand it because I was thinking. Sorrow is not a thing with me because it never had been. It was weird thinking back to my days in Texas because I, there was a. <laughs> I was one of the leaders of, of this this whole group, and and um, people said they're like you're the you're the jolly teacher. You come in and you're jolly, like you tell jokes and you're happy and you make people happy and you're just talking to everyone, making them laugh and all these things, and and so. Uh, it was just never a thing for me so when I heard this thing like you need to repent of sorrow it was a surprise to me I'm like I don't think this is an issue but I didn't realize that it it was just starting to be and it was just starting to take hold so when we moved up here it was at that time of of like oh gosh what is going on I, I this isn't what I expected I, I thought that we were going to have you know we wouldn't have these great health problems, you know, when you're serving God. He blesses you, and, and you know, and, and so what in the world? How could my friend be, dear friend, be suffering cancer again? How could all of these things be happening? So in walking through this, um, it was, uh, it, it, I didn't do this well. <laughs> I didn't walk through this well at all. I'm just going to tell you that. Uh, that's why it's funny even writing a book about this kind of thing. It's like, don't do what I did. <laughs> it's like, but I, I remember specifically um, in this season, we were taking my, my son to Eugene because we had him in a, an early intervention program. And um, I, I'll never forget the feeling of driving him in. This is when I think about this whole stage of my life, I think about the way the trips to his school felt because I'd be driving um, you know down 99 and uh uh you know it would be raining cuz especially in, in the fall I, I I picture it it's always raining in my head <laughs> and uh and it, it it seemed like the clouds were lower than normal um and then you had you know the coburg hills uh in in the east and the coastal mountains in the west and then the clouds just felt like they were so low and they were leaking <laughs> and I I have this thing, and the staff takes advantage of this all the time. They're cruel, very, very cruel people. I'm a little claustrophobic. And so they always try to get me into the middle seat in the back, you know, all that kind of stuff. They but this is this that thing sort of I felt claustrophobic in the middle of, of dealing with this sorrow and this jolt. I felt like, even as I was driving, like I was hemmed in by my situation. Like the clouds were getting lower and the hills were moving in, you know? And, and, uh, and the only thing I could see or feel was this, this thing in front of me. So I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the feeling of taking him in. And There was the, the big silver handicap button as I would take him into his class, and he would like to push it sometimes, but I always resented that stupid button. I didn't want him to push it. I didn't like all of the implications and, and all of this, and, and it would just seem like it would crowd in on me. So I would take him, and I would drop him off really quickly, and then I would just like hustle down the hall, and the hall always seemed super dark. And I would come out and I would just, I could, I could get the place of almost panicking as I'm coming out the entire situation of like, this is so wrong, this is so wrong, what, I can't, I, how is this all, and so I, I think, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't seeing a counselor at that time, what I was, oh, I was seeing Joshua at that time, <laughs> 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 that sounds awkward, <laughs> that phrasing, I was sitting on Joshua's couch every week and he was um, just trying to, to, I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize that he was actually ministering to me. I thought he'd just like to hang out with me. And <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but I was sitting there and he would just, he would just talk to me about what was happening and, and I was trying to jump to all the right conclusions. I knew the right answers to the things that were going on, but I was still avoiding them and it was like all of these things, the only thing I could see and feel was the sadness of the moment. Does that make sense? And so, I, 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 because I wasn't actually seeing a therapist, I was never actually... You know, they never said you're clinically depressed. Uh, I don't even I don't even know if that would have been the case. I suspect it very possibly could have. But regardless, I, so I'm not trying to say a sweeping thing about depression is why I say this. But I, in my experience, here's how it felt. It it felt like I was in a very small world, where the only thing I could see or feel was the pain that was right there. Has any, anybody else ever felt that kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. So. So this isn't terribly unique. So I think sorrow is kind of like that. It, it keeps us sort of trapped in that, in that fog and the sense of isolation and the sense of you can't see the light around you. You can't see the, the good things. You can't see anything or feel anything because there's just this and that's all there is. Um, This coincidentally is why I think social media really contributes so much in this area of depression. There's all kinds of studies now that have been done, like I feel like every week there's new studies coming out, all these people waving these red flags going, um, what have we done? And even even Mark Zuckerberg has pulled back this year going, okay, wait a second, all right, we're seeing all these studies that say people feel more depressed when they spend more time on Facebook, and so we need to do something, because something is not right. So when the CEO of the company is saying, okay, our product, we realize, is kind of, you know something's up. And now Apple's trying to do these things with the iPhone now too to like help people deal with not getting so pulled in because this then becomes your world. So when you're already like this and all you can see is the thing right in front of you, social media can have extremely detrimental effects. I mentioned this the other day um, of, of how... Uh, your phone tells you you're right all the time right and it really does this is the algorithm the algorithm is what kind of stories do they like to read let's give them more of that what kind of you know media commentators do they prefer let's give them more of that so basically let's take the things you already think and let's dial that up to 11 you are so right oh my goodness yeah you're right about that and here's your favorite reporter telling you you're right about that too and then, you know, you go to your own personal social timelines and they're like, here's something else about you. Do you remember this time this person said this funny thing about you? It was true. Remember this time you took this picture and you looked amazing? You really did. You know, like, it's all you. And, 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 and then you're in there and you're scrolling through and, and your window into other people's worlds also reflects on you because you're looking at your own personal situation. So maybe you're sick, Right. You're just like chronically ill, and you wish you could get out. You, you, know, you used to be able to ski back in the day. You're like It's just sad, and so what do you do? You huddle, and, and, and you're looking through your, your Facebook timeline, and then you see your, your old high school buddy skiing, and you're like, oh, and everything reflects on your own personal situation. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with social media myself because if it wasn't for social media, I probably wouldn't be where I am as far as being able to get a book out and like it's some great things and like being able to minister to people a long way away. It's something I never foresaw and it's something that God has done and it's been an utter surprise. So it can be beautiful and there have been beautiful things that have happened in that even in my life. But the reason I harp on it so much is because I also see the downsides in my own heart. And how when I'm not doing well, how this kind of thing can, can pull you in and make your world small again. It can make your world claustrophobic again. Are you guys following me? Yeah. Okay. So, social media and, and, and the internet and all of these things, they keep you focused on what is happening right now. This thing. Right now, this situation, this world. Um. And we, we need perspective. We don't just need the right now. Here, this is some graphs here. Uh, this is actually from NPR, but these are stats from, you know, very objective sources. Poverty rates have been declining for decades. Okay, so in each one of these, it's a different country. It's probably too small to be able to read there. Uh, but uh, each one of these is a different region, excuse me, not country. Um, so uh, uh, the, on the left side of each of the charts is 1990, and on the right side is 2013, Poverty, world poverty, Let we'll me just give this to you in a nutshell, extreme poverty has fallen from 37% in 1990 to 9% today. You guys, isn't that amazing? This has happened largely to, to the, the fall of the communist world and the rise of democracies and, and free market economies. This is usually what happens when that happens, is that nations are lifted out of poverty. And, and it's been an absolute, stunning, unprecedented thing in world history. We've never had a time in world history where there has been less than 10% extreme poverty in this world. And much of this has happened in the past 30 years. Okay, here's, here's another one. This is violent crime rate also since the early 90s. This is in the United States. Look at <laughs> all of these. Again, I don't, think you, I don't know if you can read all this, but violent crime per 1,000 residents all the way on the left went from 47, uh, uh, excuse me, not 47, oh, and I lost it. I think it was... 347, shoot, sorry. I forgot you can't zoom in here. <laughs> All right, we go violent crime, the second one. Per 1,000 people ages 12 has gone from 79 to 21. You guys, this is huge. This is violent crime in the United States since 1990. How many of you guys have heard any of this on the news? okay. And these are objective sources. This is not from a right or left-wing group. These are le- this is data that is being done by actual survey people. And it, it, is, it is across the board. This is what they're finding over and over. I, I have been looking into some stuff, doing some other project, looking at the crime rates in, in New York City, and it's even more staggering. How high it was, how, what a terrifying place it was in the late 80s and early 90s, and how it's just absolutely plummeted and is now an incredibly safe city. So this is happening all over the place, not even just internationally. Incredible things are happening. Um, the same you could say about things like clean water and life expectancy and infant mortality. The outlook for so many of the things that people are screaming about all the time, the outlook is actually excellent. There's reason for celebration. But you'd never know any of this if you get stuck in the digital world because the digital world is a claustrophobic place and it's all about what's happening today, what crisis rose up today, and and why there should be outrage about that right now. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. That's the bumper sticker, right? If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Well, how are you supposed to walk through this world if this is your motto? How are you supposed to ever have joy even in the midst of unprecedented, incredible things happening? How are you supposed to to walk with any kind of balance in life? You see, you can't even look at those statistics and go, Praise God! Global poverty was thirty-seven percent in 1990, and now it's nine percent. That's a one, but we can't even do that because, you're like, yeah, but nine percent still a lot. Well, yes, of course. There's a lot of people who have. I know they're, they're. You're right. You're right. But couldn't we maybe also say it's a good thing? that we've had this much growth. That's a great thing. There's still a lot of people without clean water. Well, that's true. What about Salem? You're right. <laughs> How many of you guys got that, that weird emergency message on your phones in here? There's a weird emergency message. It's like impending like, disaster or something. You're like, what is going on? And then you find out the water in Salem is contaminated. And we're like, oh, that's too bad for them. Why did I get this message? I mean, <laughs> So even then, so we've got a, like a water, there's a water crisis and it's like, this is terrible. Okay, this is difficult, but guess what? This used to happen all the time. In fact, there used to be no way to measure any kind of algae or contaminants in the So people would be drinking dirty water and they wouldn't know and there'd be a health outbreak. Guess what? Praise God, we found out there was contaminant and now we can send all kinds of relief in from all around the region. And guess what? People are gonna be just fine. So instead of the, out, why is it that we would cling to the outright? It's because we live in, in this We live in a claustrophobic bubble when they're like, what's all that exists? Water crisis, this is terrible! Everybody freak out! Do You see the problem here? Where does this leave room for joy? There doesn't leave room for joy. No matter how much good is done, if you're subscribing to outrage, no, no, no matter how many great things happen, there's no reason... For gladness. What impact do you think all this has on mental health? Ever considered that? The toll of outrage on mental health? Outrage is not a fruit of the Spirit. Thank you, Sky Jatani. I'm not saying we shouldn't get angry at injustice. I'm not saying we shouldn't get upset when things are going poorly. I'm not saying that when something bad happens or when we're going through a hard time, we shouldn't admit it. No, I'm saying the opposite. Please admit it. Please, let's say where the broken places are. Please, let's move for justice. Let's move for cleaner water in Salem, just like in Flint, just like in Africa, all these places. Let's acknowledge where the brokenness is because when we do that that's when we can begin to fix it and the same in our own lives let's acknowledge where the broken places are please don't pretend they're not there that's the worst thing you can do don't pretend the broken places aren't there acknowledge them but you also then must acknowledge the victories if you don't you will you will go crazy if you don't it will drag you down if you don't, you will wind up in this cla- claustrophobic place where all there is is the pain that you're currently feeling, both your pain and borrowed pain from somebody else across the world. We've got to acknowledge the victories as well as the hard times. Your own intellectual integrity depends on it. Your own mental health, I believe, depends on it. Ugh. Okay. Okay. So back to my story. It took a long time to work my way through the, the sorrow and the depressed, I was going to say ness for you, Janae. Janae has this word, ness, that she throws out all the time. <laughs> working, through, working through the depression. Uh, and uh, in the middle of that, I'm like at my lowest point, right? And then Joshua takes me out to lunch with Pastor John and offered me a job. And it made no sense. I'm like, you, you guys realize where I'm at right now. We had an elders meeting about it. Like, you realize that I'm like at my lowest place right now? Like, yeah, yeah. You realize I'm like in my dark night of the soul? Yeah. You realize I have basically nothing to offer right now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so why are you doing this? You know, like what? And, and, and I'll never forget this statement that Joshua made. He said, Jason, we will not let you fail. And, and so I, I came into a place where I didn't have to carry all these things alone, where that, that claustrophobic bubble started to expand, and it wasn't so tight, and it wasn't so suffocating. And I suddenly was having other people help me to see things outside of that fog, and I think, it's, I think this is so key to let people in because it's it's, you don't just need someone to rant to. And sometimes you do. I just need to get this off my chest, okay? Let's carry one another. That's what carrying one another's burdens is. What troubles you? Tell me what troubles you. Give me the unfiltered truth, even if it comes out ugly. Just tell me what's there, and they'll help you carry it. But it's more than that because it's, it's, it's let me help you carry it, and now let me give you a reason for joy as well. Let me help you see beyond that current sadness. As we moved forward, I had realized something about myself as we were up at a conference in McMinnville, Joshua and Janelle and I, and I had realized something as they're talking about different, I don't remember what the topic was, but... I had realized something changed in me. I used to be a visionary in YWAM. Everyone who goes to YWAM either is already a visionary or comes out a visionary. You know, I was always thinking about new big ventures that are going to happen in the world. And I always had ideas, always had the next big thing we were going to do and the great thing God was going to do. And I realized as I was sitting there that I had no concept of my own future. I never thought about the future anymore. In fact, when I started thinking about like, what you want to do in five years or what's going to be, you know, my heart would start racing. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. And it was so weird. I had, I had gotten, this thing had gotten so thick for so long that I was scared to think what God might do down the road because I was afraid more shoes were going to drop, you know? And so Janelle from across the table says this. She goes, Jason, I believe this is from the Lord. He wants to help you to dream again. So she says that, you know I'm going to go here, right? She says that, and I am starting to, yeah, right? I start to get like, oh gosh, like I knew it was right. I knew God was reaching inside me and squeezing something. I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm like, excuse me, guys, excuse me. And I got to run to the bathroom because I'm getting all emotional. I don't want to do it in public, you know. Joshua, I come back. He's like, what took you so long? And I'm looking at him like, I'm trying to compose myself. And he's like, you went into the bathroom to cry? Who does that? <laughs> Janelle says, everybody in the world but you. That's <laughs> 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 it's so great. Because, you know, he just like have it all out right there. Let's get juicy right here. Waitresses will be asking about it. This is what we, I'm like, no, that's not what I do. So little by little, these words, these, these things that God was speaking through my friends, through, through family, through my wife, through my kids, all these things, they started to give me a new reason for hope. If we had one theme chapter, I think right now it would be Isaiah 61, don't you think so? I feel like you could almost say we're an Isaiah 61 church. Yeah. Isaiah 61, I'm just going to read through it here real quickly. The Spirit of of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former desolations. And they will repair the ruined cities. The desolation of many generations. Strangers will stand and pasture your flocks. And foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. But you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, they will shout the joy over their portion. Therefore, they will uh, possess a double portion in the land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice, I hate robbery and the burnt offering, and I will faithfully give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples, and who see them will recognize them because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed. Isn't this a good chapter? Look again, I'll get to this. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth, it sprouts. And as a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. That's Bible. That's Bible. He, he's given reasons to rejoice here, okay? Two, two, just many reasons to rejoice, but two specific categories here. First is to rejoice for what God has already done. I will rejoice greatly for he has clothed me, for he has done these things, for he has taken me up out of the pit. To rejoice for what he's already done can be a difficult thing because sometimes thinking about the past, we associate that when you're depressed, thinking about the old things as bringing up more pain and indeed it can unless you're you're remembering the goodness of God in a thing and saying, Lord, I remember you did that and I'm going to hold on to that because you're really, really good and I remember that even though I can't feel you working right now. I remember that victory. Sometimes that's all we have to hold on to. But I will, this is what Isaiah is telling us, rejoice in the things he has already done. Secondly, to rejoice in the things that he will do. He will cause righteousness, justice to spring up in the nations. He will complete the work he's begun in the nations and in us personally. He will do those things. This is why those of us who call on Jesus as Lord and Savior cannot afford to lose hope. We can't afford to lose hope. In fact, we're not allowed to lose hope because we don't hold hope. He does. He is our hope. He's the one that's going to complete it, not us. We are allowed to be honest. You have permission to be honest about all of the hard things going on in your life and even to pepper heaven with them. Look at the way David prayed. He just threw his stuff up there and said, Lord, what about that? What about that? Have you forgotten me? This really hurts. I don't like this. It's okay. You have permission to do that. Even Jesus prayed, my God, why have you forsaken me? You have permission of all that, but you don't have permission to lose hope, friends, because he's hope. He's the one that's going to do, is going to bring the completion, not you. We praise God for what he has done and for what he is doing and then we practice it's easy to adopt a resentful posture for me as I was walking through this you know seeing families celebrate milestones for their sons uh, especially if they're the same age as my son was difficult you know seeing stuff that he might never experience it it made me sad and sometimes it would tempt me to sorrow and sometimes it would pull me right back in of like he might never experience this or this it was difficult But as people of God, our current experiences, we must remember our current experiences are too small to define reality. They're too limited. I am one person in one temporal season in one little tiny corner of Oregon, which is one little state in in another country and part of a much, much bigger world. And also, uh, the kingdom's eternal. So here I am experiencing one tiny sliver of something that's not big enough to make determinations about reality about all of reality. Are you with me? We must look outside those places. In other words, we must look through that fog. We must do our best to clear that fog if we want to see what's real and what's true. How do we do that? Well, part of it is this. Part of it is getting over our own sense of hurt and resentment toward the Lord and our own cynicism and being able to enter into somebody else's celebration. It's the season of weddings It's a season of graduations. Both of those can be triggering for some people. Maybe you wanted to get married. Maybe you did get married and everything fell apart. And here you are years later. This isn't what I thought it would be. So now every time you get a save the date in the mail, you just want to rip it up and throw it away. And then see the bride and say something really passive aggressive. That's... The temptation, if, if you have hurt in that area. Maybe the same thing for, for graduation. I wanted to go to college. I should have gone to college, but I didn't have money like you did, and it's not fair. Maybe that brings up new things. Maybe Father's Day itself does that for you. You had a good dad. I had a terrible dad. I don't like Father's Day. I hate this thing. I don't want to celebrate. I get all of that. All of those are real hurts. They're real things. I understand. But part of seeing through that fog, part of practicing joy, is being willing to celebrate for something, for a gift, for, for a victory that's not yours, first person. What if you could borrow celebration from somebody else? What You say, you know what, I never got to graduate from college, but today I'm going to celebrate like I did because you got to, and I'm really happy you got to even saying it's hard for me, I still feel a sting, but I'm happy that you, actually, don't tell the person, because then they're going to be guilty. But in your own mind, they're going to feel guilty. But in your own heart, say it, speak it out, and go and raise a glass to them, and, and dance if there's dancing, and, and, and play volleyball if there's volleyball, and get into that celebration. Go enter into it, even if it's not yours, because that's a way of pushing through the claustrophobia, of pushing through the sorrow that's been hemming you in for so long and so many years. Practice celebration. We need more reasons to party. You don't party enough. Neither do I. Worship team, can you come? You you ever notice in the parables of like the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, which is the prodigal son? In all three of those things, when the thing was found, the person who found it said this Come, celebrate with me. I found the thing that was lost. You see that? Celebration is a team sport. It's very difficult to celebrate by yourself. You can, but you feel kind of (laughs) weird. Celebration is supposed to be a joint thing. And I think the reason why they call, come celebrate with me, is not just because they need celebration, but because the guests need celebration too. We need more reasons to celebrate. Feasting is supposed to be ours. Let's enter into it, even if it's not our personal victory. I want to tell one more story. Last year, last April... Some of you were there. We had a, 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 a run, a 5K run, and uh, we assembled a team for my son. We called it Team Flapjack. Some of you guys were there. A lot of you guys were there. We made shirts, and they were blue, and, and we weren't sure how many people were going to come. And uh, we got there, and there were over 60 people out there. Over 60 people had come to Alton Baker Park and, and we saw it, and, and we had the biggest team, even though it was our first time. We had by far the biggest team. You couldn't look through the crowd and not see like 10 blue shirts. It was amazing. And, and as we're, we're looking at this, we, we, we complete the day. is just incredible. My son even understood that everybody was there for them. And It was just incredible. And, and, and there was news cameras out there, and, and, and we made the news, and, and it was this glorious thing. And, and the next day, I'm sitting down with Doug Easterday, and I'm processing it. And Doug said this. He said, Jason, let yesterday carry you. Let it carry you. Let this Memory of the goodness of God, and let this community that rallied around you in a way that you've never felt before, even though they've already rallied around you for years, that thing, let that carry you because you're going to find times when it feels heavy again and you're not always going to feel elated like you do right now. So you're going to feel down, it's going to start pressing you down again, but let it carry you. Let the goodness of God, as displayed yesterday on full force, let that raise your spirit up. And don't allow yourself to go in that bubble break through it friends this is what we can do as the people of God we can carry one another and this is why depression and this is why sorrow doesn't have to 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 linger because we can rally around one another we can carry one another's burdens we can speak into it and we can remind one another of all the reasons for there to be joy there might be pain right now yes but he's done good things there might be pain right now yes but he's going to make all things better There might be pain right now. Yes, but you're not alone. And this is what he's calling us to as a church, to be an Isaiah 61 church that reminds one another of all the reasons for joy. Here's what I want to do this morning. I know there's a lot of you in here who have loved ones that are dealing with depression or even suicidal thoughts. Maybe it's you yourself, but there could be a lot of people in here that have uh, dear ones in their lives that are dealing with this. Here's what I'd like to do. Would you stand on their behalf? Okay, it, it, and it might, again, even if it's you, stand on your own behalf, but it would, whoever it is, stand, wow, okay, this is more than I was expecting, actually. Okay, here's what, I, here's what I wanna do. If you are around one of these people, can you lay hands on them? And actually, if nobody is laying hands on you because there's more of you standing than are sitting, lay hands on one another. Actually, I'm glad it worked out this way. Lay hands on one another because you can even give out in this place. It's a sacrificial gift So lay hands on one another and let's take a moment as we we sing through this first part and we are going to pray the Lord's blessing. Actually, don't don't even sing. These guys are going to sing. Just pray the Lord's blessing and pray the Lord's joy over one another in the situation. Go ahead, guys. Let's sing that first verse.
1: You are the one true God over all the earth our King and the Father's love. Became our sin to save and to overcome by your glorious name, by your glorious name. You are the Lord, the Lord God, so mercy You are the Lord, your power loving kindness You are the Lord
0: drop drastically, Lord we pray that there would be an invasion of the joy of your Holy Spirit in every circumstance and so Lord we ask on behalf of my brothers and sisters and the people they're standing for Lord, come Lord, come, Lord come, bring the oil of gladness Lord like you promised bring, de- bring a, a, a restoration to the desolated places Lord, we need your spirit let's sing together now let this be like a praise of faith even if you're not feeling it now let's sing it because he's good whether or not we feel it Lord, we thank you for the things you've begun. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring joy. May you bless us now, Lord, with your joy, Jesus.